Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Alright guys, so welcome to the second episode of the Chatters Box Baseball Podcast. Uh, we're joined here today with newly signed Nationals outfielder Stone Garrett, who I will say, in my opinion, has the coolest big league story of all time in terms of how he got there, the perseverance, like the unlikeliness, all of it. It's truly like something like out of a movie almost. So elite name yeah. also. Yes. Yeah, Stone Garrett too. So I was I was actually talking about one of my friends who has the same last name, and he was like Damn, I wish my name was like Stone instead of Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, really excited to have you on today, Stone. I appreciate you joining uh, the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, so Stone, uh, we'll just jump right into it. You know, you got drafted in 2014. And uh, just like from that, what was it like? You know, you were committed to Rice. Uh, and was that a tough decision to go pro or – uh, was it pretty easy? Did you have your mind set up, you know, before the draft that this is the route I wanted to take and, I, and you were ready for it? Yeah, committed to Rice going into my senior year of high school. But I, I knew by then I wanted to go play professional baseball. Um, honestly, to be honest, I didn't want to go to school anymore. And I knew I could always go back. Um, so I got drafted by the Marlins eighth round in 2014. Um, and yeah, I, I signed with them and went to the rookie ball in the GCL. So that was my first taste of a uh, Professional baseball was the GCL. That was probably we went to state in high school, and then two weeks later, I'm playing professional baseball. So I gotta ask you because you know, just from I also had experience in the GCL. Uh, I'm not gonna lie when I say this, that was probably one of the roughest baseball experiences of my life. Just from the fact that, like, you know, coming from high school, from for me, I didn't have a ton of fans at the game. It was just parents, and like there were some scouts, obviously, uh, but also it's just you know you're still in high school. Um, and then you, for me, I got drafted, got signed. Same thing with you. Right. And then you go to the GCL and there's no one at your games. They're played on the backfields. Was that like just weird going from like, you think you kind of are on like a high of getting drafted and that quickly you're playing on the backfields like that. Is was that kind of weird? Yeah. I mean, nobody really tells you what the GCL is. And I mean, you're playing in front of nobody, literally zero, like nobody. I just came from like Texas high school playoffs, so you're playing in front of thousands on these in these nice stadiums. And the GCL, the field's nice, but there is no stadium. It's just a chain link fence. Yeah, so you're really playing in front of nobody unless somebody's family's there to watch them. So the max we've ever had a GCL game is maybe ten people, literally ten people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's wild GCL. So you practice in the mornings, and then you go eat lunch, and then you play the game at one o'clock in Florida with the humidity and you know the, the summer heat bearing down on you. So it was it was a little waiting to pro ball, but I I knew there was more obviously, but yeah, it's so far away when you're in the GCL for sixty games or whatever, how how many games there were, um, you weren't even thinking about that. You're just thinking about getting through the day and getting back to your hotel bed. So it was years after you, but the coolest GCL experience I think I had was we're playing at the Marlins, you know, field and I was doing the radar gun. That's another thing that, you know, people may not know, but like you're a pro baseball player, but you have to, for the pitchers, for example, we had to sit, hold the radar gun up and chart stuff. And this is at a, again, we're at a professional game uh, and you're sitting in the crowd doing this. It was just kind of crazy when you think about it like that. But I'm doing that, and I look to the right, and there's Derek Jeter and Jorge Posada watching the GCL game. Uh, did you have any cool experiences like that, or did I just get lucky that day? Running into, like, guys around the complex? Like a Derek uh -huh. Jeter or someone like that? Because I know I, I don't know if he bought the team when you were playing, but, like, 
uh, just, you, you, you know, he did buy it while you were still a part of the org. So, yeah, he bought it a little later in my career. So I was never in the GCL. Uh, then, yeah. If I was there still at that time, <laughs> something wrong. but uh, when I was there, you know, it was, it was guys coming through and rehabbing. Um, I think the year after I was in extended, which is like spring training all over again. And uh, Jose Fernandez was rehabbing. So I got to face him. He ended up striking me out, but you know, it was pretty good at bat, like a 10 pitch at bat. So that was like the coolest, the coolest experience I had. Other than that, the GCL was like, I mean, dude, it was, it was just tough, like playing on the backfields and what the guys in Arizona don't understand is like, we're, we were driving two hours at the time to go play the nationals somewhere two hours North of us. And the Mets were like 45 minutes away, which is like the longest distance you have in Arizona. Yeah. If you want to play somebody in the AZL. Um, but you know, other than that, you know, I, I I didn't see anybody that I can remember that like stood out. I remember we faced like Jack Flaherty because he had been at the upper levels, you know, and extended the following year after I got drafted, so 15. But uh, no, I mean, that, that's about it. No Derek Jeter's running around. No Derek Jeter. Yeah, I got lucky with Jeter. And you know, another funny thing about that Jeter thing is like, I I think half our team that wasn't playing went and took this is during the game went and took pictures with Jeter. And I remember Jeter going like, you guys are at a game right now. Shouldn't you be, you know, playing? And uh, the guys didn't care. They wanted a picture with Derek Jeter. Understandable, though. Yeah, that's that's Gen Z. I don't think he understood Gen Z at the time. You know? He did not. Even though I think he was, he's married to one. <laughs> oh, man. <No> <laughs> she's pretty young. I don't know if she's Gen Z, but she's pretty young. Good for him, though. He's doing it right. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, you know, play in the GCL, but, um, you know, you also very quickly just started killing it. Um, and you were the Marlins player of the year, hitter of the year, right? Correct? Yeah. And uh, in 2015, the year after I got drafted. So, yeah, so very quickly you became, you know, um, and at that point, how, you know, were you feeling like, like, wow, like I can get to the big leagues pretty quick at this point. Like if I'm going to keep going on this track, like, I'll be there in a couple of years and like, you know, my career is on the right track at that point. Right. Right. So following year, 2015, uh, go to spring training, um, end of spring training, we have a meeting. They're like, Hey, we're going to send you to short season. So you're going to go to extended. I had no clue what extended was. I found out real quickly. It's another two months of spring training scrimmage practice in the mornings, lunch, and then play a game. Um, did that for two two months and they told me it was like hey no matter how good you do in short season in batavia you're staying there like you're staying there so i go there i'm like okay go there i work with my the hitting coach and extended like just trying to get the basis right just you know very fundamental using the legs this is the way your swing's gonna fire and i did that every morning i'd wake up eat breakfast at the field go to the cage and i knew exactly what we were doing just routine 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 knock it out go to batavia which is upstate New York. I don't know if you've ever been there, Josh, but not much not to do. No, I've never been there. Not much to do. Um, <laughs> Penley got the time. Um, just balled out. I mean, from the start of the season, uh, knew I wasn't getting called up. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm here. So, you know, I wasn't putting extra pressure on myself. I was just competing. Um, ended up winning player of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, a, it was a good year. It was a good You year. won player of the year, even though you only played half the season. That's basically how good you were. Like, is that basically like is that right? Like you were that good? That was, you... It was a it was a good season. And now that I'm older, I knew some of like the older guys in like double A and high were like a little salty about it. Which if I was in their shoes, I would be too. Like this guy played 55 games, 60 games, like he didn't even play a full season, like whatever. But hey, my numbers are that good. So Yeah, I mean it <laughs> sounds right. like it, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so we do wanna, you know, touch on the whole thing with uh Josh Naylor, um, for those of you guys who don't know, um, way back, uh, what what year was it, Stone? Like the exact 2016, year, year after the year we just talked about, yeah. The year after that. So that point in your, in your career, where are you at at this point before the, that incident even happened? Like where, like where are you at mentally? Where are you at in terms of physically? Like are you feeling like you're, you're like a couple years away from the big leagues? Yeah, so the end of the 2015 year, the year I won player of the year with the Marlins, um, player of the organization, whatever, I like hurt my wrist and we didn't figure out what it was until late into the off season. So I missed all spring training and then went to extend it again, which was my spring training. Mm -hmm. So now I'm two extended sprint extended uh, deep 
get ready, go to Greensboro, which is low A. I'm like, all right, let's, you know, let's, let's, you know, have a good, healthy rest of the season, compete again, like get back to where we were at in Batavia. Um, you know, started, you know, getting into a role, I think one or two months deep. And yeah, that, that whole incident happened and I ended up missing, I don't know, another month or two. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was not a good time in my career just because I came from an injury, started the season late, got hurt from that incident and then missed even more time. How did that affect you going forward? Like, like did that, yeah. So did that, um, did that, you know, instance or incident, sorry, did that, you think did that affect the next couple of years or was that something that you feel like just it happened, it sucked, but just, you know, you recovered quickly and that was it. Or do you think that kind of had something to do with maybe, you know, a couple of years of, you know, struggling? I, I think it happened and it, it was over. Um, when I got back, he wasn't there. So, you know, I didn't have to walk into, you know, the place of work every day and just have like, I'm not going to say hate for somebody, but just like the disgust of seeing somebody's face that you don't want to work with. Yeah. So it didn't affect the years after, I wouldn't say. I came back healthy, so I was ready to roll. Yeah, I was going to ask because, um, you know, you and Josh, you guys were roommates at the time, close friends at the time. When this whole thing happened, like the whole story I saw, like, I mean, I guess Michael Hill, the president of the Marlins at the time, he said that uh, Josh was known as, as a bit of a prankster, right? So I guess what I'm wondering how here is, like, how did this even happen in the first place, like playing with a knife and all that? I don't know if I ever said this on the internet, but I know the article you're, you're talking about, which made yeah. it seem like we were buddy, buddy, we were roommates and we were friends. Mm-hmm. We weren't roommates and we were teammates. Um, we were living in townhomes at the time, like that shared a common wall. And um, yeah, I mean, one day a game got rained down and I came back and was in my room and trying to get, you know, hang up my shirt and out jumps a guy with a knife and uh jumped out and i was trying to open up the closet it the knife came out of the closet and caught my my finger and you know ended up having to go to the hospital get some stitches and that's ended up missing time yeah yeah and you know it, it was a it was just a frustrating time because it wasn't the first time that it happened i told you know people in our town home like let's make sure you keep the doors locked like just we don't need to have this going around like somebody's gonna get hurt and it sucked because i ended up getting hurt were you the only one that ended up getting hurt from that first and only? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it takes one time to be like, hey, maybe I should stop, you know, playing around like this. Yeah, I mean, like, when I think of pranks, especially as professional baseball players, and you, you don't think pranks are going to hurt somebody. And it's just crazy. That's kind of like the time. I had, you know, the prank, a prank that I happened to me was I came in my room and my roommate, had hit all of my Brett Beatty actually. He he hit all of my suitcases and everything, and he put them in a different room. And that that, that was that was the type yeah, of prank. That's that like I, a lighthearted prank, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So that, no, nobody's in danger there. No, nobody's, yeah, nobody's in danger. Yeah. So you know, uh, but yeah. So you you come back from that, and then you ended up going to uh, Australia to to play, right? Yeah. Um, how was that experience? Because I'd have to imagine playing in Australia is one of the coolest things. Australia was fun. Um, people always ask what Australia is like. I'm like, dude, honestly, it's like Texas. Um, like, people are laid back um, a little bit, you know, can be crazy when I think of, like, my country friends. Like, they're a little, little wild, have a little wild side, which is, is fun. Um, so that was a fun time. People ask me what the competition was like, and I'd say it's around, like, you know, low A, high, which was the competition I needed at the time coming off that low A season. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time. Um, just seeing that whole country playing baseball, it's pretty relaxed schedule. I mean, you play Thursday through Sunday or Friday through Sunday with the doubleheader on Saturday. Um, so Monday through Wednesday, you have one practice and you can go up to the field if you want to and practice. And then after that, explore the city. So yeah, that was, that was a fun time. Compare, um, uh, the popularity of baseball in Australia compared to here in America. It's not popular at all. No? Uh, cricket, cricket, is it cricket? Yeah. Cricket. Yeah. And cricket, rugby. Yeah. yeah. Um, are the big ones over there. So, yeah, I mean, we went to we went to a cricket cricket match. Uh, and that was pretty fun, but never got to go to a rugby match. But uh, always, awesome. I always wanted to ask a baseball player this. Um, as a pitcher, and I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there, there's probably some pitchers, maybe all of them, 
if you took a couple of years, you could figure out, um, and I'm talking about professional, you know, big league guys, how to, you know, throw or bowl the, you know, the cricket ball. <laughs> and you could be pretty good as a hitter. When you see, you know, a cricket match, do you feel like you could just destroy the ball if you were playing cricket? Yeah. I mean, it's the same skills, right? Hand eye. So I feel like, you know, a good hitter would be able to be a good uh, batter in cricket and pitching. Same thing. You know, I, I don't know if the arm motion is similar. So you got to go more overhead, but yeah. that that's the adjustment you have to make. But again, I, I just, yeah, I just feel like we played yeah. around with it and it's, yeah, you run and then it's just, yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd be cool. super curious to know how baseball players would do in that sport. I've seen a couple videos of like them trying and it kind of like, you know, the flip side, like a cricket player trying baseball. Uh, and if they take BP, they actually, you know, hit the ball pretty well. But uh, obviously, when you get into a game situation, I'm sure in both sports, it's going to be completely different. But well, uh, that would be a very interesting collab for MLB to do. If anyone from MLB is ever listening to this, like, have a bunch of players or a team go out to Australia or, some, or India or some country where it's really popular cricket and have the cricket players try baseball and vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, it's it's so popular in those countries. Like, that's a thing that, you know, the, I think the, one of the highest followed athletes in the, uh, in the world is a cricket player. Mm -hmm. uh, Coley from, uh, I think he's, I'm not sure where he's from, but he, uh, he's like one of the most followed. And, Again, it's a similar type of sport. So you'd think that, like, if that many people are interested, that they get into baseball too, and baseball players should be these big stars, but it just it doesn't happen here for some reason. It's crazy that people argue baseball is too long. Meanwhile, you have cricket matches lasting like literally two days. <laughs> yeah. They last like, yeah. 10 like a three day test or something. They created a new league, when, like, it was in like its infancy when I was there. It's called BBL, uh, Big Bash League. And that's like a nine inning baseball game. Wow. So that was that was pretty fun. More you know upbeat. Yeah. So you uh you know you went the rest of your minor league career and you played with the Marlins and did you feel like you were gonna get to the bigs with with them or was there a point where you're just like I need to just keep playing and it, it may not happen but if it doesn't happen I'll just figure out what that next move is gonna be after my contract with them or that you know the deal with them is out. Yeah, after that low A year, came back, went to Australia, then came back to the States, played high A in 17, didn't do too well. Uh, high A again, Florida State League, which is like pretty much playing in the GCL, but you play in the big league stadium, like this training stadium, nobody's in the stands. Um, and then in 19, went to double A, which is, you know, Jacksonville had a decent year, um, hit some homers, had some power, and then was like, okay, uh, 20, I'll go to AAA, whatever. And then we all know what happened. We go to spring training for five days, COVID hits. Didn't hear anything from the Marlins. Like they, they let go quite a few guys um, just one random day in the summer. And they kept me. So I was like, okay, either they're going to invite me to that little mini camp, you know, the COVID camp, um, or they're going to resign me next year. Well, the season ends. And I knew like the guys that could probably go to AAA um, in 21. I was like, okay, like I see myself going to, you know, AAA in 21, but they had their guys. So they sent me an email saying, Hey, this is what happens when you become a free agent. So I was like, that was their way to tell me they were going to resign me. Um, so that was the end of 20. So then I'm like, okay, I don't have a job. So that was just working out. And during COVID I was selling houses. I got my real estate license, like, um, around that time. Beginning. So that's what you were, that's what you were ready to do. You were like, okay, like, you know, at this point in my life, I need to start thinking of the next chapter, basically. And that's what you were kind of set on doing at that point? Kind of. Not really. Um, I was just doing it on the side to make – I got my real estate license, I think, at the end of 19. I was like, I'll, I'll just do this in the off season, you know. And then COVID happened. And I was like, okay, well, there's nothing else going on right now. I just sell houses to friends and family. Um so I did that during COVID. And I'm then, a bit into it though too in 2020 because my mom's also in real estate and she that was like her best year. Even though yeah, that was a lot of people's best year, but it was competitive, especially if you're listing a house. Yeah, but if you're representing a buyer, it was a little tough because everybody, you know, houses were getting 30 offers, mm -hmm. so it was tough. And you were selling houses in in like in the Houston area or in in Texas. Yeah, I never 
I had a few listings where I represented the seller, but most of my, you know, um, clients were buyers. So we were going around looking at houses. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Mom does, my mom does the same thing. Okay. That's what she does. So awesome. that's another reason I love your story so much. I mean, between LinkedIn yeah. and LinkedIn, Definitely yeah. a lot. So I yeah. was, I was, uh, you know, selling houses during COVID and then the fall comes around. I'm still not signed to a team because I'm a free agent at the time. And then I had heard from the indie ball teams, but I was like, I'm not going to sign indie ball yet. I'll just wait it out. And then I want to say January, February rolled around. I signed to a, a indie ball team out of like New Jersey. And, uh, at around that same time, Dan Bodrika reached out on LinkedIn. Who's my video guy. My very first year back in the GCL, like he was just, you know, you know, the video guys that run around and record, you know, the hitters and pitchers. It's like, hey, glad to see you. you're doing real estate. Um, you know, good seeing you. And I was like, hey, man, like, appreciate it, whatever. And then a couple of days went by, I was like, dude, maybe this guy knows of some team that needs an outfielder. So I go back to LinkedIn. I said, hey, Dan you know, of any team that needs an outfielder or invite me to spring training, I just need a shot. Like, just give me a shot. And, you know, if they don't sign me for a team that season, so be it. You know, I'll, I'll go figure out what to do. Maybe I'll go play any ball for a year. Because so I gave myself like a one year any ball. I was like, I'll go play any ball for a year. If that doesn't work out, then we'll figure out my life from there. Um, so I literally not even two days go by. I get a message on Instagram from Corey Hahn, who works with the Diamondbacks. He's like, hey, do you have an agent? If so, what's his number? Yeah, here it is, Corey. Two days later, I'm signing the Diamondbacks. I'm headed off to spring training in two weeks. So I'm like, okay, bet. Here's the opportunity I wanted. So this is yeah. all social media, huh? Like, yeah. that is all set. That is yeah. wild. I mean, just, you know, how it is now. And, and that was in 2021 or 2020? Yeah, that was the message I sent to Dan was in February 2021. Because the yeah. lockout was at the time. So, you know, yeah. there's still like some time you know, an, an extra month for me to find a team. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, back I was, in 1960, I don't think that's happening. Where no, no. <laughs> so at this point, when you, when you get your second opportunity at the big leagues, are you thinking, okay, yeah, I know I have to work my way up to the minor leagues, but it's, it's meant to, it's meant to be at this point. Like, is that what was going through your mind when you got that opportunity? Well, I think I knew the big leagues was in reach during the COVID year when I'm at home and I'm seeing guys get called up for their first time playing in the big leagues. I'm like, Dude, I just played against this guy last year in double A. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm better than this guy. Like, I know I'm better than this guy or, you know, he's in the big leagues. I'm right here on the couch. Like, what's going on? So that lit like a fire to me. Like, dude, we can we can do this. And then when I signed with the Diamondbacks, I was like, all right, like, we're going to do this. Like, we're, there was no doubt in my mind. I was like, we're going we're gonna to make a charge here. And then when I got to spring training with the Diamondbacks, they were like, hey, like, we don't really have a spot for you. We're gonna try you at first base. I'm like, first base, like, dude, ground balls, like those things come hard. Lefty turn on you, like I'm used to catching fly balls, you know. But you know, hey, opportunity, let's let's go. Um, so that's where it started. So with the Diamondbacks, um, you know, you get off to a hot start there, um, and then I gotta ask you about this video that I uh, I texted you about. Uh, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's fine. So, so I'm sitting at a game in um, spring training, uh, watching just some, you know, random game. And my agent, Bobby Witt, uh, he tells me, he's like, did you hear about this Diamondbacks player that, you know, my, my buddy was telling me about, he works for them. They hit this 500 foot home run. And I was just like, no, like, what's his name? He's like Stone Garrett. And I was like, okay, I know Stone. Like, let me see this thing. So I text Stone and I was like, I got it. I don't even think I said, um, send me like, I just said, you know, something along the lines of send me the video, like just something that simple. Cause I was like, he's going to know what I'm talking about. He sends me the video and what's that home run 500 feet? Like how far was it in? Are you talking about the spring training video? Yes. So that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was in, uh, that was last spring training. So that was 22. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. 22. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that went far. Um, yeah, so I, I, we're gonna clip that. So I just I need you to tell me, did that go 500 feet or not? I it had to. That was the furthest ball I hit in my life. And I want to say it did because we watched the video, and they said they taped it off because it hit the building in left field at our place. So at Salt River, there's a field that faces the weight room, 
in between the weight room and the field is a turf field. That's, I don't know, it's a football field. So it's at least however many yards wide plus 20 yards on each side. I don't know. And then the video from the center field camera, if you turn on the volume, you can hear me hit it. And then you hear something hit the building. So like you can hit, you can see me hit it and I'll send you the, the right video. I'll send okay. you the video where like it's the center field. You can see me hit the ball and then you, you wait five or six seconds and then you hear something go do do where it hits a building and it hits the ground. And I was like, dude, that that's gotta be 500 feet. It's yeah. It was so, it was so like how I felt like it went so far as I watched it and you know, you smoked it off the bat and then you keep watching and it just, the time starts ticking and you just can see the catcher from one of the angles, you can see the catcher just looking and just, just looking, looking, looking. And it takes them like 15 seconds to stop looking at the ball and throw the ball to the pitcher. And again, you smoke the ball. So like, yeah. it's not like it's a ball that's up in the air and you're just watching it. Like it just kind of floats out. You, you crushed it. So I, I mean, I hope once we get this video, people yeah. can see how oh, far that thing have to clip that. You can clip both angles. Cause then in the first one where like the side angle coming from like the, our dugout, you can see where people are looking like just at the ball and they just keep looking. And then from the other angle, I'll send Josh is from the center field angle. And that's when you can hear hit off the building, which is like insane. And I only caught on to that like a couple months ago when I was rewatching and just to feel good about myself. I was like, Dang. You, I was like, heard that ball hit the building just insane insane yeah so you know you you have that strong start and then you go into the season and you're just crushing homers at this point um was there a point in the season where you felt like okay like this has got to be enough to get called up right and last year right yeah yeah um yeah i mean i was hitting you know for average, hitting for power all over the field. And I didn't want to think about it. Like, I did a pretty good job. Like, the guys were like, dude, like, why aren't you? I was like, I, I don't know. Like, the, the time will come when the time will come. June rolls around. Why aren't you? I don't know, man. Like, but, you know. And then I'm like, dude, what else do I have to do? Ask my coach. Just keep doing it. Don't, don't press. And honestly, I was that was such a great group of guys. Like, stuff we did in the locker room, stuff we did on the off days, going golfing. And like having a blast, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like I knew like if I took care of what I need to at the field, like it would come eventually, hopefully. July rolls around, nothing. Okay, whatever. And then June, July, August, like all-star break, I was like, dad, like, because we played Sugarland. I'm from Sugarland. I stayed home like another three days for the all-star break. I was like, okay, we're going to, next time I see you, dad, because we were in Sugarland. I just played three games in front of him, six games, whatever. And I was like, next time, I'm, you know, you come watch me, I'll be in Minute Maid the Diamondbacks were playing the Astros, you know, and then August rolls around. I got called up like August 17th and, you know, play a couple games. Then we're going to Minute Man. I was like, I told you, like, <laughs> I told you, you know, uh, I'd see you next time I'd, you know, see you, I'd be here. So, uh, you know, it, it took some patience, but I think I did a pretty good job of not thinking about it and putting pressure on myself. I never once went up to the plate and I was like, all right, dude, we need to hit home run to get called up. I just went out there and just competed. Yeah, and do you feel like, you know, you started off hot in the big leagues. And do you feel like just everything that you had gone through in your career leading up to that point just kind of prepared you, like, to where when you got to the big leagues, you were sort of, like, not even phased at that point because you're like, I've, I've went through all this. Like, at this point, this is easy. Like, I got this. Is that kind of what went through your head? Exactly. Um, I wasn't nervous. It was weird. Like, and I don't want to say that and come off as like, oh, this guy's, you know, douche. I, I just wasn't nervous. It was like, I got there to the field. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. Like, let's rock. Let's go. Like, this is what you work for. Let's, let's rock. Cause I knew I needed to make like an impression early. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And then ended up hitting a double my first at bat. I was like, all right, it kind of like confirmed that like, all right, you can do the same game, like same game. Tempted too. You you didn't just hit that double. You yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I came from PCL. I thought I was gone. Like you hit that in ten parks in AAA, that ball's gone. Um, yeah. I did pimp it. Bad look. Get, I, get, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Wouldn't. If you get thrown out though on that play, do you think you become a meme? 
100%. So you had to just lag that. You had to run full speed and make sure you are not yeah. getting thrown out. Yeah. And then you faced... bad, bad for the OPS, but it was a good memory. Yeah, so you the faced... fact that, that was like your first MLB hit, it's off Carlos. Like, it's not just off any guy. Like, we're talking one of the best pitchers in baseball, just got an absolute bag from the Yankees. And, and you're out, and like, it's just the mentality. It just shows like the confidence that you have. Like, it's awesome, you know? Like, you're out here just. It's your first time in the show. You're out here pimping doubles off Rendon. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure all the guys are like, dude, this guy, what, what is he doing? I, I didn't care. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it. The way baseball, it, yeah. baseball needs more of that. They need that. They need that energy, that swagger. They they need guys like you. They definitely if it's a home, if it's a home run, if it's a, if it's a home yeah, run, hundred percent. That's it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. So also coming from the minor leagues, uh, and and then going into being a big leaguer, like the treatment and the just the travel, the hotels, they're so much better, the food. Um, so I'm sure you guys obviously experienced that firsthand. What was that like? What was the difference like? It was awesome, dude. Like, obviously you hear about like the planes and that's what I was most excited about. Cause in low A, um, when they started the season, they had like an exhibition game against a big league team in Greensboro in the low A city. And they all took the private jet. And I got the, I missed it. Cause I was hurt. I was like, dang, missed it. I missed like the, the, the charter flight. So like we played San Francisco, whatever. And then obviously we took the flight back to Arizona and that was cool. Just like escort all the way to the airport, multiple buses, pull straight up to the plane, like 20 yards away and just walk on the plane, like no security check, just walk on the plane. You got your own first class seat. And then like, you know, you don't actually, that might be a TSA, like, um, <laughs> reach but you can wear your seatbelts kind of optional <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you know uh, yeah. yeah i mean travel on planes dope you know you do whatever you want food they got food they got snacks all the candy you want uh so that's always a good time just playing card games with the guys and then the food um the foods you you can have whatever you want like chefs will cook you whatever you want all the snacks you can imagine smoothies juices coffee tea whatever Ice what was your what was your go-to the go-to snack for, for you. What was your go-to? If you finish in a game or before a game, what was your meals or what were you like? Okay, I gotta. I'm gonna get this before the game and after the game. I'm killing this. Before a game, you know, I try to eat, you know, chicken, beans, rice, some type of veggie, and then like right before I got on the field, just have like a cup of tea, um, or coffee, whatever you know I'm feeling. Um, and then snacks. I'd come in during the game, like mid-game, and get some fruit snacks or cheese its Um. Like game, it's it's healthy. Like, it's, are, are we wait? What what fruit snacks are we, are we talking? The Scooby ones? The no, uh, no, no. Uh, Welches. The, the Welches. Welches. Ah, OG, yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, but after the game, you know, it's it's healthy. Like, a lot of healthy food up there. Um, honestly, so healthy where it all starts to taste the same. Like steaks, good. You know, sushi. Sushi days were good. Sushi days were good, and then like travel days is normally pizza or barbecue if you're in Houston. But it just started to be like super healthy and all started to taste the same to where like I'm going to Wendy's after the game because I just wanted like some grease. Like I just wanted to, you know, have some grease and then, you know, back to the minor league roots of like, you know, 10 spicy nuggets with some fries and, you know, maybe a frosty if we're really going to like treat ourselves. But, yeah, it, it's really good food up there. You know, that's awesome. And obviously the hotels you stay in are nice, um, you know, open the blinds while you're still laying in bed type type nice. So, you know, order some breakfast and, you know, you get berries on top of your pancakes so you know you know you're saying a nice establishment some some powdered sugar powdered sugar black <laughs> you know strawberries raspberries on top of your yeah you know. so now that you're in the nl east with the nationals are, are you super excited to check out all those uh east coast stadiums because i i've been to all all these stadiums in the nl east you know nationals mets marlins yeah um, i i haven't I been to any of them i've only been to the mets um yeah only been in the Mets, um, but yeah, I'd been around DC for like five hours when I was getting my physical up there, and that seemed like a super cool city. So that'll be cool, you know. You'll, you'll love that stadium; it's so nice, and the area yeah. it's great too. And then uh, Phillies, Mets, obviously, and the Braves. Am I forgetting somebody? Marlins, been Bye. there, been that park, obviously. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to check out that side of the that side of the country. Um, I heard their fans are, you know, pretty crazy up there, so. That'll be interesting. We are. We yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and we definitely also wanted to ask you now, Um, you know, you're entering a division with some of the toughest starting pitching in baseball with the likes of Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, 
uh, Sandy Alcantara with Miami, Max Freed. You got Zach Wheeler. You got Aaron Nolan, Philly. You know, so many amazing pitchers. Um, I guess uh, multiple questions here. Number one, um, who do you think will be the toughest guy to face? And number two, like, how do you kind of like mentally prepare knowing that you're about to face like some elite, elite talent in the very tough division? Right. They're, I mean, they're all tough to face. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, read the scouting report, stick to your plan and get after it, you know, compete. So I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what I can, you know, go up against and competing against these guys. You know, they're the best in the game, like you said. So it'll be fun. So, you know, we just asked you about the toughest guys. And I got to know, are there ever guys that you face that you're just like, oh, this will be an easy AB? Or because it's the big league, does everyone a tough AB? You don't, have to name, you don't have to name names, but like... everybody for the most part is a pretty tough AB. <laughs> but, you know, you face some guys who are like, dude, I better, like, let's get a hit off this guy, you know, because <laughs> for this guy, we're going to face, you know, three at bats against, you know, somebody that's nasty. So it's like, hey, let's, you know, a lot of guys make their living off, like, getting hits off relievers that, you know, that you need to get hits off of, you know? Yeah. And then also, I want to touch, you know, we just talked about, you know, you're with the Nationals now. Um, how how was that process, you know, where you signed with them? Uh, I was pretty shocked because I figured just with the start and, like, the short time that you had with the D-backs that they'd want you back. And I don't know if that was the case or um, you just felt like, you know, the opportunity with the Nationals was the best opportunity you had. Yeah, um, got released by the Diamondbacks. Um, they wanted me to sign, like, a split deal and be off the roster. I was like, no, like, I don't want more money. I want an opportunity. Like, let's, I showed you guys I can compete in the big leagues. Um, cleared waivers and the Nationals reached out and I was like, all right, let's, let's rock. You know, I'm, I'm ready to compete. Let's rock. Like, I appreciate you guys believing in me. So let's get after it. Um, signed with them in November, the end of November and, you know, been a national since. Uh, how quick was that process in terms of uh, you being DFA'd by the D-backs and then in turn when the Nationals reach out to you, like, like how, how, how soon after did the nationals reach out? I think it was like two or three weeks, um, mm-hmm. two or three weeks. Yeah. But I mean, when you're released, it's, it's weird. Like, yeah. cause it's back to, you don't know what the future is going to have, mm-hmm. um, but you know, you compete at this level. So, you know, I knew like, I just needed an opportunity once again. And, yeah, um, what if the, I mean, it's a very young team, obviously, with, with Washington. I was looking at the roster. It seems like the vast majority of the roster is still in their 20s. Um, what have the Nationals told you in terms of what, what your role is going to be uh, next season for the team? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, for the most part, I don't need to know. I just know I need to go in there and compete. Um, you know, we're in this age now with, you know, sabermetrics, analytics, everyone's emphasizing that. And there's so much information at our disposal. Um, what are you personally using to uh, prepare for these matchups and what's some of the information that, that you're given from, um, you know, from the organization? Yeah. I mean, you just get, you know, what these guys like to throw and I'll show in the strike zone, like where they like to throw it. Percentages like to throw with nobody on runners on two strikes. Um, honestly, I just like going to YouTube night mm-hmm. before I this guy and just see like him getting rocked <laughs> or like just videos of him pitching, you know, uh, see like, movement um arm angle yeah all that and just visualizing you know facing them so they i mean they have all the information out there that you need but you don't want to you know get paralyzed by all the information and not be able to compete i do i do always wonder especially for guys like you who've had like such a tough road to the majors when you're when you're in the plate are you just so dialed that you don't even feel the weight of that pressure or do you do you feel the pressure in certain moments Nah, I don't feel it. Like, I, I literally had nothing to lose, so. Was I love like, it. Yeah. Was there ever a time, though, in the big leagues where, while you were up there where you – it kind of hit you that you were in the big leagues? Yeah, I'd say we were at home, and uh, I think it was Goldsmith hit, like, a fly ball, and I slid and missed it. And the next batter's Arenado, and it's like, oh. Yeah, like, I was literally at that game, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you were called up by there because I was in town for my birthday weekend and I was there. And I, I remember there, like there, there were way more Cardinal fans than Diamondbacks fans that night. Way more. Yeah. Way more. But I, I missed it and realized, oh, dude, this isn't the minors. But like, you miss a ball and like the next guy, you know, you have a good chance to get him out. This is like majors were like you miss the ball and you have this freaking all star hidden behind this other all stars. Like, 
you know, you got to make the plays, you know, even if they're not routine, if you have a chance, like you, you got to do your best to make them. Who were the toughest fans that you uh, played in front of, in your opinion? I mean, I guess you could say the Dodgers. They they let me know that I suck. Quite a bit. Um, the Dodgers. But even then, I just look at them and say, I love you. Like, and then, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy, he's playful, whatever. Blow a kiss? But, yeah, no, nah, I don't blow because they might take that. But they're, they're fun. Um, they're fun. I like it. It keeps you more focused, believe it or not. Like, I'd rather have somebody tell me I suck than just a quiet fan base behind me. But, um, I mean, Northeast is like the true test, right? Like, you, oh, yeah. I mean, when you make those trips out to, to New York and to Philly, oh, you'll hear it. You'll definitely, especially if you make an error out there, uh, you'll hear it from them. Yeah, I'll probably just be amazed by their accent. So that'll be. You know, Jaron, Jaron's such a big Met fan that I wouldn't be surprised if when you play the Mets, he's chirping you. <laughs> no, no, we'll chirp everyone but you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I actually, I actually, I was going through the Nationals roster. I, I like some of those guys a lot. Like Dom Smith was my guy with the Mets. I think you guys would get along. Um, seems like you know, seems like it, seems like the type of guys like on the same vibe. Like just like they're like enjoy having a great time, just having to be in the big leagues. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm very excited to see like what you guys put together this year because I feel like you're a unique spot where it's like a, it's a young team. Uh, no one knows what the future is, but everyone's just happy to have their opportunity and. Who knows what a team like that could do, right? Right, right. It would be fun. Like like you said, a young group of guys just going out there to compete. So we'll see. We'll see. So next year, same time, 2024, we come back, we get another podcast going, and we talk about your previous season. What can we expect, in your opinion, from this year, you know, upcoming year? statistics wise do you have any goals or something or is that something that you kind of stay away from like number goals and just say i need to have a good year yeah i, I just stay away from no number goals and tell myself i give myself the goals of coming prepared to the ballpark each day ready to compete you know but it's taking care of your body getting a full night's rest or like challenging myself in the cage off the machine you know just being prepared to play that game that day and you know i know if i do that then i'll have a you know solid season is there a pitcher that uh, – like one specific pitcher that just for you, it would be very cool to face him, um, being a fan of him. I don't know if you're a fan of anybody. Or even just a pitcher and even a hit or two, um, a position player where you play against him, where you can, you know, sit uh, in your dugout across and you look out and that guy's playing against you. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. So, like, is there any players that you're looking forward to playing against or, um, you know, hitting against? Um, yeah, the Marlins because they let me they let me go, so it'd be like, oh, this you know, let's, yeah. let's compete. You know, it's that inner battle, but not really. Um, you know, I'm just ready to compete, and then you know, you don't really realize that until like after the game or after the year's over, then you get to reflect. I haven't looked sure. at your schedule yet, but are you excited to head out to some of those places like Yankee Stadium, um, Fenway, and then obviously you'll you'll play the Cubs at some point at Wrigley? Are you are you excited to check out some of those like iconic stadiums? Sure. I don't think we're going to the to Boston, but we'll go to Yankee Stadium. So that'll that'll definitely be, you know, obviously fun, historic. So if you, if you hit a home run, you have to just like pimp it. Like you have to. <laughs> in the Bronx, like you guys I don't, just I don't need those Instagram DMs and comments. <laughs> Jazz, <laughs> Jazz Chisholm got a lot. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. sure Oh awesome. yeah, I know Jazz. We we played together in Double A nineteen. Yeah, but, he would get uh, a lot, of, especially from Mets fans. He get a lot of hate from Mets fans on Twitter, but he loves it. He revels that type of. Thing. He was just named the uh, the cover athlete of the show, right? That's wild. Yeah, but if you yeah. met Jazz in nineteen, he would have told you that. Like really, that the guy said in the locker room in nineteen is pretty much came true. I, so it was along the lines of I'll be a star. I'm gonna be on the cover, like all this 100%. stuff. Hundred percent. But that's the attitude you gotta have. Gotta have it. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a story of Juan Soto back in the minor leagues where uh, he went to, it was either single A, double A, and he gets there and he was sleeping on like a, a air mattress, right? And they're like, hey, like, do you want to get like a bed, you know, just actually get settled in? And he's like, don't worry, I won't be here long. And I think it was the same year at the big leagues. Yeah. It's just so crazy. Like, you know, again, that's the type of mindset. If you have that mindset, it really helps you, especially in that when you're in the minor leagues where you have to stay strong about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I had a teammate this year in AAA who wouldn't ship his car out from Arizona. 
Torino because he literally like, dude, like we're tired of taking you to the field every day, taking you home, like just ship your car out. And he was like, nah, but we knew, we knew like he knew he was getting called up like the first two months. So it was like, okay, like we can't blame him. He's not wrong. So yeah, no, yeah. It doesn't make sense to do that. Um, I also want to ask Stone, I mean, because I, we I was watching your highlights the other day and, you know, it seems like every home run you've hit, like you, you like to watch it. You like to, you like to pimp it, so to speak. In, in, in the NFL, you know for a fact some of these guys are, are, are practicing like their touchdown celebration before the season. Do you ever wonder, like, you know, like, should I, like, practice, like, like a pimp job or a certain bat flip or something that I know will, like, I, don't, I, don't I hope he know. says no. I, I hope he says no. I don't think I'm a bat flip guy. Like, yeah, I just don't think the way I finish my swing, I'm a bat flip guy. I did it once in Dublin and it just didn't look right. Like, it didn't look right. Um, I think I'm just a, you know, let the bat drop and then salute the bullpen and go about my business. I wish I could do something cool, you know. The Euro yeah. steps a little too much for me. I, <laughs> I can't pull it off, you know, as a big dude. But maybe I'll need to figure out, like, a big dude move. And, uh, like, I need to go watch, like, defensive like this, like the camera. Like, you know, you're the That's not me, man. I love you. That's, <laughs> That's not me. I just salute the bullpen and go about my day. Yeah. I feel like but, you're, a, you're a guy that, you know, you have pretty easy highlights that go viral. Like, you know, just from – the pimp jobs that you're going to have, but also back when you were in the minor leagues, it's pretty rare for a minor leaguer to get on sports center one time, but you were on it multiple times uh, for your, your home run robs. Uh, was that pretty surreal as a minor leaguer to see like, you know, I know when I was younger sports center top 10 was such a big deal to me. And did you know you were going to be on it? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. I, I don't the the first time it happened, all three of them happened in Double A, um, within like six weeks of each other. The first time I was number four, and that was cool. Like I've never been on Sports Center before. I was like, this is sick. And I was mad because I was number four, and like the you know the top three weren't. You know how you watch Sports Center, you're like wait, the other one that was number five was way cooler than me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I forgot it was had me, but I was like, dude, okay, sick. And then I made another one. I was like, that's got to be number one. And then I made the third one. And I was like. That could be number one and it ended up being number one. But the first time, like, going back to your hotel after the game and seeing it was was pretty sick. Okay, so do you know or it just happened? I think we had a road trip after my first time. So, like, Sports Center was already playing, so it got sent to me. And I was like, dang, like, it made Sports Center. That's cool. And then we got to the hotel, and I put it on Sports Center because they would just rerun the episodes, and I got to see myself on TV. So that was cool. Are those catches, like, more skill of you really needing to time it? Or is it just jumping and open that you're going to – it's going to land in the glove? Yeah, I think it's skill and timing, just, like, knowing how many steps you have on the warning track and how far up, you know, the wall goes, um, depending on where in the outfield you're at. So I think it's skill and just messing around in BP. Like, if you go watch Alec Thomas take batting practice in the outfield, like, he's just messing around trying to rob home runs. And then he ends up doing it in the game because, you know, it's already in the back of his brain. He didn't have to think about it. Yeah. How would you compare the adrenaline rush to, like, a juicy meatball down the middle to, like, you seeing the ball in the air? You're like, oh, shit, I got I got to rob this. Like, how would you compare the adrenaline rush of, of both of those, like the offense and the defense one? Um, I think it's it's definitely more on defense. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know. It's all on you at that point. Like, you're, like, the last defense. Like, if you don't rob it, it's a home run. Like, right. As you're running to the wall and you're thinking, oh, I have a chance. You realize, oh, I have a chance. Because when you see the ball down the middle, you, <laughs> you still got to put a good swing on it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how many balls down the middle have been swung and missed or just rolled over? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I would say it's more on defense. Are you also, like, worried about injuries? Like, when you, like, make, like, a leaping catch or, like, you dive into the wall or something? Like, are you worried in the back of your mind, like, Oh shit! I gotta like mentally like get tough on this one. Yeah, I used to I used to not be, but as you get older and you get to like AAA in the big leagues, you, like you see guys be more hesitant around the wall, especially in AAA because they know if they get hurt, like they're not gonna get called up. Um, in that you know it's longevity of the season, so you know the risk first reward, especially if it's like a foul ball, might just not be there if you're going into like a concrete, you know, okay, like whatever. But um, yeah. I'm not worried about it in the in the moment. I'd say like it's not really in your head unless you're running to like danger that you know of. Like in the minor leagues, it's like the bullpen bench that's in play for the all the bullpens that are still in play. Um, but for the most part, I'm not worried about it. Well, sweet stone. I really appreciate you hopping on. This was awesome. Yeah, we're excited for your upcoming season and. 
again, after this year, we're going to hop back on another podcast, hopefully, and talk about how the season went and, again, how well your career is going to progress. Yeah, so yeah, thanks so much for joining. I will say, please take it easy on the Mets when you play the no Mets chance. 20 times a no year. <laughs> I respect it. Um, no, Stone, thank you so much for joining and best of luck, man. I'm definitely going to be rooting for you and hope you have a great year. Hope you have a great rest of your career in the, in the MLB and hope when we talk to you next year, we're talking about like your first all-star year. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, of course. Right, sweet. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.